Our scripture reading for this week is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as Pastor Kyle said, there's been a lot going on here this last week, and I want to add my thanks to all who are working in our COVID response team and, and the work around that. I also want to thank those who are responsible for this worship time, those who are behind the scenes, Ryan and Rick, certainly Schmitty, who's put all this together, and um, I'm just so very grateful for the way God raises up servants in our time of need. So with that, let us pray. Gracious God, we do pause in these moments to give you thanks for all that you have given to us, and Lord, we commit it back to you. We pray, Lord, that we would have the power to yield to your way in our lives, that we would commit ourselves to your Holy Spirit and letting that Spirit plant the seeds of good fruit in our lives, and that we would be willing participants cultivating that which you have given us for the sake of the world. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So we're finishing up with our time together talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And we've been dancing with the Spirit these last few weeks together and figuring out just what it means. What does it look like to have the fruits of God's Spirit in our lives? By now, I'm quite sure you've memorized these fruits. We'll say them together. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. We have all these fruits. And what does it mean for those to be made manifest in our lives? I mean, we've got to go from knowing these fruits of the Spirit in our heads and even being able to say them with a heartfelt utterance. We've got to be able to go and, and learn how to live into that call of God. And it's in the dance. It's yielding ourselves, our very actions, our very moves, all that we do in life to God's spirit and letting God's spirit set the rhythm to which we dance. Give us the call to which we respond. And, and again, we participate by cultivating these fruits of the spirit that God has so greatly given to us. So we're going to pick up with the last three today. We've made it, as I said, we are here with the last three, and they are simply this, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, several weeks ago when I last preached, I mentioned to you that I was going to take these fruits of the Spirit out of the order in which Paul has written them, because I think it matters. And this week, as I was preparing for the sermon, I read one of Adam Hamilton's commentaries on, on this passage or listened to a sermon. And what Hamilton said that made so much sense to me was the fact that this, the order of these fruits of the Spirit is important. We talked about love being first. I absolutely agreed with that. I know that. We know that. Love is a foundation upon which all of Christian faith is built. We get it. God loves us. We love God. 
God loves the world. We join with God in that love of the world. We get why love is first. But here's the point Hamilton made. He says that that Paul has bookended the fruits of the Spirit with love and self-control for a reason. And what Hamilton would go on to say is that without self-control, these other fruits of the Spirit just don't stand a chance. We can have all the love, accept the love of God, all for the love of God. We can can agree on that foundation. And yet, without a little bit of that self-control given by the Spirit, cultivated, we have a part to play, cultivated by us, joy, patience, generosity, meekness, faithfulness, all, all of these others just don't stand a chance. So we're going to begin with self-control. I, you know, I can't, it's hard to disagree with Adam Hamilton. So we're going to begin with self-control and, and think about what that means in the lives of believers. Now, years ago, decades ago, Stanford University did an experiment in which they were studying delayed gratification, self-control, not having to have what you want when you want it at that very moment. So they did this study called the Marshmallow Study on delayed gratification. And and what they did was they took children into a room and they gave them a choice. They said, you can either have this marshmallow right now or you can wait not very long, maybe 10, 15 minutes. You can wait not very long and not only will you get the marshmallow, you'll get something else. You'll get another reward for, for waiting, for not needing to be instantly gratified. That's the adult language, of course. So, so they left these children in the room with, with the marshmallows right in front of them. 30% could wait. 30% could make a conscious decision, could utilize that option of self-control not to eat the marshmallow, believing that when they didn't eat the marshmallow, they'd get that and then some. And how they did it, they developed coping skills. They created diversions for themselves in that space. They, they did other things. They opted out of that need to have what they, what, what they wanted when they wanted as soon as possible. And I think that is a little bit like we experience the fruit of the spirit of self-control. We surrender, can't do it on our own. We surrender, we yield to the Holy Spirit, and we begin to know it's not about us. It's not about what we want when we want, thank you very much. It's not about me, myself, and I. You know, faith begins with that personal decision, but that decision does not end with us. Personal faith goes viral because when we practice and live into these fruits of the Spirit, we get it. We know that that God's intent for the salvation of the world begins with the individual, but it doesn't stop there. And the Holy Spirit is just getting started when we yield, when we surrender, when we realize that this life is not about gratifying ourselves or even feeling good about ourselves, even patting ourselves on the back for when we get it right and when we are faithful. That's not it at all. It's about yielding making space for the Spirit, and living life abundantly. That's the call. That's the offering. That's the reward, not just some sweet by and by in eternity. It's important. 
But that eternity begins now when we live into the fruits of the Spirit and practice that self-control. Now, I think it's important to talk about the kids. They say as time went on, they followed these kids in the experiment. And what they learned was that that 30% that was able to exhibit some self-control, able to hold back a little bit, they were healthier physically in the long run. And they did better in school. There's something to it. There's something to be able to have diversions. Holy, now, come on. We have a lot of diversions in our life. I'm not just talking about any diversion. Some are good. Some are not so good. What I'm talking about is giving over control, surrendering, yielding, understanding that that we take the focus off ourselves and the diversion for that self-centeredness in us, that natural state, right, sinful state, we give it over. We exhibit some self-control and and we yield into that action of the Holy Spirit. Then we lead on to faithfulness. Faithfulness, the seventh fruit, that which is made manifest when we begin with love and when we end with self-control. It it is that fruit that gives rise in us that becomes part of who we are in this world for the sake of the world, knowing that our personal faith is a viral faith because all the world matters to God. And we get to play a part in that. I, I think one of the things that's so important for us to remember is that since God began interacting with humanity... Since God started the covenant with Abraham millennia ago, it never was just about Abraham. Abraham's faithfulness to leave everything he knew, all that was familiar to him, his family, his faithfulness in that was because he trusted God to take him where God wanted him to go. That's faithfulness. That's that understanding that we move into faithfulness. We live into faithfulness because, one, we trust God. And, two, we have confidence that God is not calling us to anything for which God doesn't also make a way. It's that dance, right? It's that dance with the Holy Spirit, that giving and that taking, listening to the call of God, following in faithfulness, knowing that the ultimate will of God The redemption of the world is something that we are called to as well. Now, we've got, like I said, a lot of diversions around us. We've got a lot of things going on. And and how is it that we limit our focus, narrow our focus as believers to that which God wants to do in and through us for the sake of the world? There's a lot going on. I hear this language, this rhetoric. What is the will of God in all this chaos and all this turmoil? What does the pandemic have to do with the will of God? Well, let me tell you, folks, not a thing. God didn't send this. But what God will do is redeem the situation through the faithfulness of God's people. As we care for our neighbor as we reach out in concern, as we make contact with others who are shut in or or reach out to those who are home alone with the kids for another month or or however many. God redeems this situation, isolation, whatever it is we find ourselves experiencing in these times, God redeems the situation. That's just how God acts. Is God's will the the, the chaos in our community? Is it the destruction of property? Is, Is it 
Certainly not. Human attitude, racism, that's sin. That is not of God. None of it is of God. But what God will do through the faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness in believers, is redeem it. What God will do is, is cause and call his people to stand up and say, that's enough. Not here, not on my watch. This is not of God. And God's will for the situation is to redeem it, is to transform it, and is to make it something completely different from what it is. We, this is not of God. We are. And we have a role to play. Is it of God to, to criticize those who seek to help us? The police? The scientists? No. It is our role, our faithfulness, to speak into those situations of criticism and to say, hey, wait a minute. This is not how we, as God's people, are called to be. And folks, if we're not part of the solution, then we're part of the problem. Where are we putting our energies, our efforts, our attitudes, our memes and tweets? I, what are we doing? If we're not part of the solution to the negativity and the chaos and the criticism, then I think we're part of the problem. Faithfulness causes us to be part of redeeming the situation, that which is not of God. Faithfulness causes us to put aside ourselves, our opinions, our thoughts, our understandings of the matter and say, not my will, but yours, God. And I know that you are not satisfied with the way things are. So what are we going to do about it? Where is God? Look in the mirror. No, I'm not saying you're God. Not that. I know you all too well. I know myself too well. That's not it at all. But we are in this dance with the Holy Spirit. We are part of God's solution to all that is going on around us, nearby and far away. So what does that look like? We know we need to exercise self-control in order for the fruits of the Spirit to be made manifest, cultivated in our lives. We know that faithfulness means we partner with God because we trust God and we're convinced that God goes with us as we seek to be part of God's solution for chaos and turmoil and sin. We're in that dance. So, so what does it look like? And here we go. You're not going to like this. I don't like it myself. The fruit of the Spirit is called meekness. Not a real popular word right now. Meekness. Simply put, if you look at the definition of meekness, it is, it is this. It is restraining one's own power to allow room for others. I love that. Meekness is restraining one's own power to make room for others. And if we have a problem with that, take it up with Jesus. Perhaps the meekest man who ever lived. Meekest, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is understanding that we restrain ourselves, our own power, satisfying our own desires, thinking it's about me, myself, and I, making room in our wants so that others' needs may be made possible, met, if you will. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. And no, he wasn't crazy. 
He knew exactly what he was saying. Blessed are the meek, for we shall inherit the earth. Not for our own sake, but for the sake of bringing God's kingdom to bear. Blessed are the meek. Well, what if we get taken advantage of? Well, if we get taken advantage of, perhaps we're living in the footsteps of Christ. He was taken advantage of, still is. Grace is not about tit for tat. You do that, I do this. That's not grace at all. Grace is unmerited favor, unmerited love. And yes, it gets taken advantage of. Remember the 10 lepers? Jesus healed 10 lepers. Only one returned to say thanks. What if my meekness causes me to suffer? Well, Jesus was crucified. I don't think he's asking us for that. Except he is calling on us to deny self. To exercise that self-control so that meekness may inherit this earth. The loud, the boisterous, those who insist, those who insult, those who, who won't make room for others. They have something to prove. Jesus didn't have anything to prove save loving this world. Jesus didn't have anything to prove save wanting to redeem any and every situation that humanity gets ourselves into. He didn't have anything to prove. And look at all that he's done. When we agree to be part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in this world, blessed are we when we are meek. Now again, these these are some pretty challenging words. Hard characteristics, traits, whatever we want to label them, fruits of the Spirit. Difficult and not possible on our own. Only made possible when we are willing to give it over. When we are willing to say, not me, but thy, O Lord, but you. Not my ideas, but yours. Not my way, but your way. Not my intelligence, but your wisdom. That's how the fruits of the Spirit, given of the Spirit, begin to be cultivated in the lives of believers. That's what it's all about. That's how we bear witness to the world as God's fruits become manifest in us. God wants to redeem this world. What could be better than getting to be part of that? God help us. The good news is he has. The question is, will we surrender? Amen. And let us pray. Again, O Lord, we give you thanks for the fruits of your spirit, that which you have given to us. We give you thanks, Lord, that upon receiving these gifts, we are not left alone or even to our own devices, but rather your Holy Spirit is present and empowering us to cultivate these gifts from you, to be part of what you want to do in this world. God, you think so much of us. Help us to think that much of ourselves. Help us not afraid, be afraid, not be afraid to be faithful or meek. Help us to exercise some self-control so that we may be exactly who you have called us to be. For it's in the name of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we will live in you for the sake of this world. Amen. And now I invite you once again to the dance to join in the fun, to be part of what God wants to do in this world. We are so blessed. 
that we get to be part of the ultimate will of God, the redemption of humanity, the transformation of our society, our city, our country, our world, nothing less. And only by the power of the Spirit we go forth to be part of who God wants us to be. Go in peace. Amen.